episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 7, Episode 4, The Prometheus Syndrome. Episode is October 7th, 1991. It was directed by William Garrity and it was written by Robert Sherman. Why don't we describe this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode, there's an evil bomber who's planting bombs all over the city, and MacGyver is working with the arson unit to help figure out who he is. Right. And uh, we start this episode with a bomb. With bombs, just bombs going up. Um, and an abandoned building, uh, we see one bomb explode, people, fire crews moving in. Then we see uh, another explosive being placed and set up, and we do kind of like a cut-slash-dissolve to MacGyver building a very similar-looking bomb. Yeah, trying to reverse-engineer, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't quite get the purpose of what he's doing. I think Uh, he's just trying to figure out what it looked like before it exploded in terms of trying to get a feel for it. Kind of the way he figured out who the Viking was. Like, yeah. Determine the mechanisms that went into the bomb and the style of it. Um, Mama Lorraine enters with uh, some groceries for MacGyver and some things he has to pick up. Some of it for the making of the bomb, batteries right. and yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and she talks about the – they talk about Prometheus who is uh, – among the mythological figure is also the name that this mad bomber is going by. Right. Um, and much like Viking uses a voice distorter to uh, leave his calling card. Right, yeah. Uh, Mac borrows some uh, flash powder from Mama Lorraine to use with his uh, bomb setup. Because as much as she likes to convey the realism of her her belief system, she also keeps things on hand mm-hmm. for the jokery of it. Yeah. <laughs> like flash powder and stuff to make her tongue turn black. Yeah. We cut from there to Prometheus getting ready to set his next bomb. And all we see of Prometheus is his extremely scarred hands. Yeah. Now cut to a police station where a very suspicious officer has gloves on. Yeah. Dark, thick, black gloves. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, she brings a report to her boss, Earl Stringer, who is trying to put together... Um, by the way, when we were saying Prometheus is a he before, we should have been saying he or she. Yeah. Her boss, Earl, is trying to piece together the pattern. Right. But there doesn't appear to be one. Yeah. Although he seems to have a feeling that he's seen this level of destruction before. By the way, this person uh, that we're discussing, the female. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, is Jeanette Goldstein uh, playing Rachel Bradley. Jeanette Goldstein is a mainstay of the James Cameron mm-hmm. uh, filmography. She was uh, Janelle Voigt in Terminator 2, which is the foster parent of John Connor yeah. with knife arms. Um, she was Private Vasquez in Aliens. Which is such a weird transformation Yeah, from Vasquez. I, I did, I would, if you would put those two people in the same room, I would not say that's the same actress. Yeah. And then she also plays the Irish mom in Titanic mm-hmm. that's singing the kids to sleep as the room is filling with water. Um, but yeah, so it's funny that she was in Aliens and that here she is in the Prometheus Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recognized her immediately, as, yeah. but as the character from Terminator. 
Right. Yeah. Like I always forget that she played Vasquez because that's such a like like was she like tanned or because her short hair and darkened and like she's look she's such a physically different looking yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, she she's also um, one of the guests. One of I think one of the first guests on the I Was There Too podcast, mm-hmm. which I definitely recommend taking a listen to. Um, another officer uh, in the arson squad, Joe Rosewell, uh, played by Jack McGee, right? Um, who's a character actor you've probably seen in a lot of things. Yeah, he played the the father of of the two brothers that are the main characters of the fighter, um, mm-hmm. Christian Bale and. Uh, and Mark Wahlberg. Um, he was also a fire chief, oddly enough, on Rescue Me. Right. Uh, Jerry Riley is his name, which is actually also an uncle of mine's name. Um, and, uh, Jerry Riley. Back when he was working on a show called The McCarthy's uh, fairly recently, um, we sat next to him on a flight to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw my daughter and was like, oh, is that an Irish kid? And then <laughs> we were like, yeah. And then he's like, big heads. Irish kids all got big heads. And... Uh, she kept wanting to play with him, and eventually, for like the second half of the flight, she was just sitting in his lap. So Aww. I'll put a picture up in the show notes, but we have a picture of, of Addie just sitting in Jack McGee's lap for like the whole <laughs> second half of the flight. That's awesome. Yeah, he was a really, really nice guy, though. Uh, so in this episode, he's playing uh, part of the arson. Right. They, um, they have fingerprints that they recovered off the bomb, but they're, they're too badly burned. Or I don't know if the implication was that the fingerprints are unreadable or if – Prometheus's fingerprints are unreadable. Right. He just says that they're all burnt up. In the same way that we previously suggested that Murdoch's fingerprints would be unreadable. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver enters with his uh, his re- reproduction of the bomb. Yeah. And he uses the flash powder as the uh, as the would be explosive. Uh, Rachel isn't impressed with his work. Yeah. She she believes that a psychological profile would help better than uh, all this like. Ticking around with junk. Uh, and uh, MacGyver suggests that he's using thermite as the explosive, but Rachel says, no, the fires are way too hot. He's using something more powerful. And uh, that's when they both re- they all receive a call, Viking-style, from Prometheus with the sordid voice speaking cryptically. It's like, must I cleanse this city yeah. if you do not believe me? As soon as the voice started talking, I was already checking it against the regular cast of the show, like mm-hmm. of this episode. I was like, that's definitely not Jack McGee's voice. That was yeah. the only thing I could determine right off the bat. I was like, no matter what filter this is running through, that's not Jack McGee talking. Yeah. Um, the voice is also pitched high enough that you could suspect a number of people. Yeah. Um, so he's claiming that his next target is ready, and he actually tells him where this one is. Yeah. So, of course, the fire crews and everyone everyone arrives. Oddly, the bomb squad wasn't called because they say yeah. we need to call the bomb squad. It's like, they don't think about it until after they get there. The bomb squad should be on high alert this whole, this whole episode. Yeah, and you just got a recording from the bomber saying there's a bomb. Yeah. The bomb squad should be there. They weren't. They were not there. Um, so instead, MacGyver and Earl Stringer decide to go in uh, – to see if they can uh, defuse the bomb themselves. Uh, they they said the, a fireman had told him where the bomb was located. He showed him. He shows him in like to the warehouse. Yeah. Um. So the bomb is in like a metal like like a lunchbox. Um. In fact, the, uh, most of my metal lunchboxes have the similar hinge where it's just a metal pin 
that connects all the hinges, and then you, to push it out, you just kind of like tap it out. Yeah. Um, there, um, or if, if you have like a feather. You yeah. Feathers. You'll follow from your rebirth necklace. Right. Uh, well, I mean, he came back That's to life. That's kind of what it was, yeah. Uh, MacGyver notices that there's a couple of differences, obviously, with his bomb because he made his own bomb from his own stuff. Right. Uh, he definitely – they can definitely smell the thermite, which I guess thermite has a recognizable smell. Um, but there's also another compound that they can't identify visually. Right. Yeah, but they've determined that there has to be something else there because thermite – uh, Jeanette Goldstein points out thermite burns at 5,000 degrees, and this is burning at closer to 9,000 degrees. Yeah. So there had to be another chemical involved. So there's a toggle switch, and MacGyver just does a Hail Mary. I'm going to flip the switch this way and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver flips the switch, and it does stop the bomb, but only for a few seconds. Yeah. Um, also, it's important to note that this bomb is different because it also has like this uh, on the, around the handle of the lunchbox. I, I call it a lunchbox, but it's not a lunchbox. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. around the handle where the handle would be, um, there's a coil of magnetic wire. Right. And uh, so the the bomb stops for a few seconds, but then it restarts, and MacGyver realizes that they need to get out of this room now. Yeah. But Stringer trips uh, or isn't able to get out of the room fast enough right. when the bomb explodes. Uh, so Stringer is like completely on fire, and MacGyver has to put him out. And I think that we suspect at this moment that Stringer's already dead. Right. That the explosion was strong enough to have killed him or the fire was – he passed out or died from the pain. Yeah. Um, Stringer, by the way, is played by an actor named Randolph Mantooth. <laughs> Randolph Mantooth is a saint. Yeah, his, his mother, from what I understand, is a, is a saint, Dorothy. <laughs> we were talking about this scene a little bit earlier when we were talking about overwhelming – reactions for things and then underwhelming reactions for other so in the the bomb doesn't even take out the whole room yeah but the, it manages to kill a guy yeah it, it it doesn't do any damage to this building it doesn't even wreck the table it was on yeah um but we're supposed to suspect that these bombs are so powerful that they take out we saw bombs exploding yeah. earlier they were much more powerful than this yeah um Nine thousand degrees. It should have set all the oxygen in the room on fire yeah and it should have set the clouds on fire yeah uh, Stringer, we see his body wheeled out, covered, so we know for sure now that he is yeah. dead. Uh, Rosewell says, with Stringer dead, Rachel is now in charge, something that she's wanted for a long time. Yeah. Hmm. Starting hmm. to play the blame game here. Uh, Rachel also has found Prometheus's tape recorder that was on a nearby telephone. When MacGyver takes a look at the bomb... Which surprisingly went undamaged in the blast. Yeah, from his... It was far away. Uh, MacGyver examines a photo that uh, Stringer had taken before the, it explodes, and he suspects that that handle with the coil of wire was some kind of remote trigger. Um, but Rachel says, well, MacGyver, thanks for all your help. You're off the case. Yeah. Uh, and you're probably the to blame for Stringer's death. Yeah, if you'd waited for the bomb squad like I asked and like I would not have let you in here without doing yeah. everything would be fine. Uh, Mac asks Rosewell to kind of look into anything he might have might see and kind of keep him informed. Yeah. Um, but if it's an antenna, MacGyver thinks that Prometheus must have been watching from nearby. Yeah. Um, we should also mention that SOP for these bombing situations was to take pictures of the crowd because of the arsonists would like to view their handiwork. Yeah. 
So if there's a crowd of people gathered to watch uh, what the fire department's doing, odds are Prometheus is among them. So MacGyver happens to see a, an apartment building nearby that has like a vantage point on the room that they were in. So uh, he buzzes for the manager who is more than willing to let him in and take a look around the apartment uh, that overlooks the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, of course, like he says that he can't verify who comes in and out of here because the building is under renovation and homeless people come in and out, a squat. It's hard to tell who's there. But – as MacGyver makes his way out onto a fire escape, he can clearly see over into the building. And that's where Rachel, who's looking out the window of the room with a bomb, sees him and looks directly at him. Yeah. Hmm. It's very suspicious here. Uh, so, uh, uh, at the, I guess it's now after the funeral. Yeah. Um, so we're assuming days later, uh, no, they had the funeral that day. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver is talking with the widow, who doesn't seem as broken up about all this, but I guess if you're married to someone well, who works with... she's had hours to get over it. Yeah. If you work with someone who works with bombs, I guess you just get used to that. Um, MacGyver asks if uh, Stringer had mentioned the case or done any kind of his own detective work that he mentioned, and she remembers that Stringer had been preoccupied with one particular fire, and he said that the only connection was, quote, that woman. Yeah. Uh, and so MacGyver mentions Rachel and says, were they ever close? And she says, oh, yeah, they were really close until she got burned in a fire, and then she just wasn't the same anymore. Yeah. They're really, they're really hammering it home. Yeah. Uh. Misty Rowe uh, plays Betty Stringer. Um, her performance in this wasn't great, but I recognized uh, a, a thing that she had been in, a Mel Brooks series called When Things Were Rotten. I don't, I don't know that one. Um, it was basically Robin Hood Men in Tights before Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, okay. Um, it starred her um, uh, as Maid Marian. Okay. But it also had uh, Dick Van Patten, I think, as – he may have been Fry – I think he was Friar Tuck, which is funny because he plays a full abbot in uh men in tights oh that's funny uh yeah so this, that, this was um a mel brooks series uh about robin hood so it's kind of funny that yeah. he later did a full mel, Bro uh, mel brooks style movie yeah about robin hood yeah, i thought that was worth noting uh <laughs> i have to look it up uh so rachel's watching them from her car and she drives off as soon as she's spotted yeah so, like a weirdo. Yeah, she's acting very strange. Uh, at the fire station, Rachel has been now promoted to chief of the yeah. arson squad. And uh, she's, like, not happy that MacGyver has showed up. But as MacGyver got, gets there, he sees that the the apartment manager was leaving the scene. Yeah. And when he asks why he was there, Rachel says, well, he was looking for you because apparently he thought that you worked for the fire department. He's like, uh, he assumed I worked for the fire department. Ah. That's my legal loophole. So Rachel asks if Betty told MacGyver anything. He says, well, I want to know what the manager said. So the manager remembered that there was a woman named Victoria Arnold who rented that apartment. Yeah. Um, and that's about all he, she, he remembered. And MacGyver tells her that Betty remembered something about a woman and a cafe fire, 
which of course Rachel remembers because that's the fire where her hands were burned. Right. Which she blamed Stringer for because right. he d- he broke procedure in order to to help put it out. Yeah. So back at Max's place, he does some computer research about Victoria Arnold and the fire at her cafe, which was named after her Victoria's cafe. Yeah. Uh, Rosewell shows up with a report about the bomb compound called Cold Dexton, which was used in uh, color photography and newspaper printing. Right. And my uh, my cursory research indicates that no such thing exists. Yeah, I also also did similar research. Yeah. In fact, when I looked it up, the only thing that came up was this MacGyver episode. Over and over again. So MacGyver decides to head back to the bomb site and talk to the manager. Um, And the manager says, well, I told everything to uh, your associate at the fire station, but... uh, when MacGyver questions him further, he mentions information that he told Rachel that Rachel did not tell MacGyver. Yeah. That that Victoria had a boyfriend who used to work at the newspaper. Now we've got a connection. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver heads over to the newspaper, where apparently a security guard was more than happy to let a civilian wander around yeah, the newspaper. Go on in. Um, I guess the newspaper closed, closed down so fast that they just abandoned it. They left all their files, including like employee records, social security numbers, yeah. probably petty cash, uh, all the printing presses with their color ink and stuff that's explosive. Just they left it there. Yeah. Left it, leave it all there. Why not? We don't what's, work here what's anymore. What's the worst they could do? Kill a lot of people? Uh, apparently, that's what you do. Um, you know, generally when a business like that goes out of business, they sell they that equipment. Liquidate. Yeah. yeah. All, everything that you could possibly sell gets sold. <laughs> Uh, I know because I've gotten deals like yeah. uh, on computers and stuff that way. Uh, so as MacGyver kind of lurks around the uh, the newspaper, a figure, a shadowy figure starts looming around wearing gloves. Yeah. Uh, Mac is also shown down to the color printing department. Um, and uh, so the guard kind of goes off on his own because he's like, I got to go back and do my rounds. MacGyver finds the boyfriend's desk. The boyfriend is identified as Ralph Boardman. And uh, his previous job apparently include military demolition. Yeah. Phil, you go from military demolition to color photography. Sure. That's the jump. Um, the actor playing Ralph Boardman is Dave Florek, mm-hmm. who is the first cop in uh, Ghostbusters 2 that shows up when they're digging a hole in the street. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. he's the guy who's like... No, we talked to Con Edison. You're not with them. He's like, so we got them. a major gas leak here. Where do you think all this is coming from? The sky? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> right? Right, <again? laughs> Uh So uh, Prometheus's voice starts calling to MacGyver, the distorted voice. It says, MacGyver, are you looking for me? <laughs> you know, like, totally luring him. Yeah. He... He knew immediately when the tough boys ran across his car and into a yeah. building. Like he's like, he even admitted, "All right, I'll bite." This is stupid, but I'm gonna go for it. Um, so there's no reason for MacGyver to be following this voice, but he does, and he leads him into a trap. Of course, mm-hmm. locks him into a utility room with one of the bombs. Um, <sighs> this whole situation is much like the bomb, the first bomb. This bomb does very little damage. Yeah. Um, but he's in a paper storage room with the bomb ticking down. 
he does his usual diffusion of taking the hinge out and disconnecting the motion detector. However, Prometheus had hinted that there are other little surprises in this bomb yeah. than just the stuff that he's used to. And when he flips the switch to deactivate it, a magnet re-engages the bomb. Yeah. So w- what he does, I, I don't understand this. Like, if the bomb's going to go off no matter what, just put the bomb somewhere that it can go off safely. Yeah. Um, but he instead, he moves it onto a forklift and decides just to let the forklift ram the door and blow up with the bomb. Yeah. Um, using the bomb to blow open a hole in the door. Yeah. But, again, this, these bombs are supposed to take out entire buildings. Yeah. I don't get why these bombs are... It barely are so- takes out the door, too. Yeah. So, these bombs are really low yield. Uh, uh, and so he gets out. I feel like all MacGyver would have to, if MacGyver was in that room and he decided not to use it to blow up the door, he just would have had to put it in the opposite corner and then stand in the other corner. It would blow up. Nothing would happen. Yeah. But that's why they stopped using practical explosives on television. Yeah. Now that's why every single bomb on a, on a TV show now is a CG fireball of the entire building disappearing. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I think people got fed up of all these. I mean, like, you can only do pyrotechnics in such a way that they're mm-hmm. safe on television. And so once we had the technology to just do what people wanted it to look like instead yeah. of what it would actually look like to be safe. Um, there was an episode of The Blacklist where they were also kind of on the track of uh, someone who had been setting some bombs. And they led them to this house. And as they pull up to the house, I'm like... God, that house looks really, really bizarre. It looks like it's made of concrete. <laughs> yeah. But its concrete's been painted to look like wood paneling. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's really weird. So as they start approaching it, it explodes. it explodes. But it's a real effect because it's just a facade yeah. that, they, that they could run explosives through yeah. and blow out the windows. Well, it's like the hospital in uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Where it was actual practical explosions, but it was like a parking garage. Mm-hmm. So it was all concrete that was just lined with explosives. But they just put windows on each floor to make it look like it was a building. Yeah, and then they actually did collapse yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was just like... But that's that where the Joker like pushes a button for yeah, it to yeah. explode and it doesn't go off. Like That was that was a mistake. Like It was just a mistimed mm. uh, explosion. And so like... He's like tapping on it, like well, I guess it's not working. Yeah. And then suddenly the thing finally goes off, and he's like, oh. and he just starts walking away from it. I I love how natural. I love he's like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's such a Joker thing yeah. to happen. And that's definitely one of those. We have one take on this, so just get it right, please. Yeah. Um. Uh. But uh. Yeah. So uh. This bomb does very little damage. So MacGyver now is able to escape. He gets back to Boardman's desk and retrieves some uh, photos uh, of the crime scene, I guess, that Ralph Boardman had kept with him. Yeah. Um, at, the, uh, at the fire department, uh, Rosewell shows up and asks Mac where Rachel is. And he's oh, she's – oh, no, this, this, is at the, this is at the newspaper. Right. The fire department shows up and Rosewell's with them. And he asks, why isn't Rachel here? And she's oh, she's back at the station. So MacGyver heads down to the station and finds Rachel tied up right, with one of the bombs. Yeah. She is not Prometheus. Yep. As we have been led to believe this entire time. Yep. Uh, 
like she is the reddest of red herrings. She's yeah. even a redhead. <laughs> I actually thought that they were trying to set it up to be Jack McGee as the as the bomber, just because he's the one throwing all the evidence at her. Yeah. But the, as soon as I heard the voice over the radio or over the phone, I was like, mm. this, the the intonation is totally right. wrong, even if they changed it with a filter but they also raised it to be higher pitched so it sounds like a, a female voice yeah, yeah. that's been distorted um that's when ralph boardman aka the apartment manager right makes his appearance with his throat thing i guess i don't need this anymore yeah. like what you, you're crazy that's what this is you're just crazy yeah um but now he just has a gun and he asks himself to macgyver to handcuff him to rachel uh, he blames the fire department for Victoria's death because yeah. the, they didn't respond in time to the fire and they weren't able to get her out. But MacGyver counters with, well, you set the fire for insurance purposes. Yeah. This is your fault. And he's like, no, I'm Prometheus. I'm going to... No, gonna... that guy's gone. It's, I'm not him anymore. Uh, so he sets off, he sets the bomb to trigger and uh, says, well, have a nice day and leaves. Yeah. But luckily, he stays close by to, to watch his handiwork. Yeah. So once again, this is the third time that MacGyver's had to do this, by the way, in this yeah, episode. Same kind of bomb. Same bomb. Takes the hinge out. Uses the hinge to disconnect the motion sensor. Um, but now there are two switches. And MacGyver realizes, like, oh, wait a minute. Every time I flip the switch, I flipped it to the left. So And she's all, well, does that mean you should flip it to the right? He's like, well, I think that's what he wants me to think <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna flip it to the left which he does and triggers the magnet like before which rearms the bomb so now macgyver is like i just need another magnet where's your phone he's like it's over there he threw it across the room so but she has his her walkie-talkie yeah macgyver takes the walkie-talkie and he shatters it like a light bulb yeah it just goes <laughs> It yeah. just breaks apart into pieces. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. That's a terribly built walkie-talkie. Yeah, it's like it was made out of chocolate. <laughs> Chocky-talkie. <laughs> I'm going to start selling those. Come in, come in. <laughs> We're coming in delicious. <laughs> uh he finds a very, very tiny magnet in this walkie-talkie, yeah. which I don't think would have been powerful enough to disarm this bomb, but it does. But wouldn't – the moment he lifted it back up, wouldn't the other magnet have pulled it back down? Yep, and then it would have exploded. But uh, it doesn't go off. So MacGyver now says there's one last step to do, and Rachel leans out the window and goes, Hey, Boardman! Looks like your bomb sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Boardman, and then when he turns around to look at her, he gets jumped on by, by MacGyver. From the opposite side. Uh, I don't know how they knew where he was. Yeah. Well, I think they assumed he would be standing somewhere outside the window so that he could see when the bomb went off. Yeah. Um, so he's taken down. Uh, so Boardman's arrested and Rachel kind of casually asks about MacGyver, how MacGyver's investigation went. He says, oh, well, I found the evidence in a drawer at the newspaper that he left there when he was fired. Yeah. For some reason. He left all that. When they when they abandoned that building, they said, everyone out, now! Everyone yeah. out, everyone out! It was like Enron's last day. <laughs> yeah. No time for your personal possessions. Get out. Everybody get out now. Um. So, yeah. So, they were very easily able to 
pin this whole thing on him, including the insurance scam. So I have to say, we haven't had a Mad Bomber episode since... Uh, since Viking, probably. Since Viking, right? yeah. Well, has there... Not I guess a, the oh, tough, tough boys, boys, kind of. Yeah, I guess they were kind of a Mad Bomber group. Yeah, but this is more of a regular, like, crazy person terrorist. Yeah, elaborate bombs that have multiple triggers. Yeah. Those are just bundles of TNT with a clock yeah. on it. Bomb, bombs are fun. Um, obviously, the red herring of this episode was so much a red herring that I didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, because the moment we see the burned hands and then we cut away to her with her gloves, it's like, yeah. well, that's super suspicious because yeah. she's wearing black gloves and she has the whitest skin ever. Yeah. So they super stand out. She couldn't have been wearing like lighter gloves or something like yeah. that. Um, and I thought we would see a lot more people with gloves. Like I thought Betty Stringer would be wearing gloves for, from her funeral. It'd be like, oh, was the wife because yeah. she, her husband was neglecting her. Uh, but no, it's, we see two characters with gloves. That's Rachel, the obvious choice. Yeah. And Ralph Boardman, the manager, who we didn't suspect so much because he was looking like he was doing utility work. Yeah. So I was like, well, I don't really suspect him because he's got work gloves on. Yeah. Um, not incredibly uh, – but and, and also once you see the burns on her hands, you can tell it's not her because those aren't the same burn hands. Her burns look more like, like – the skin had been re reattached with like, like with that kind of plastic. Yeah. yeah. And his hands just look like he never got any work done on them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel that the, the, the red herring did not play out correctly. Yeah. Even though they were trying to hook you all the way to the end, to the point where he goes back to the fire station, suspecting to catch her in the act. Yeah. But only to find out that, this, uh, this was another opportunity for them to just pile all the evidence on one one character and then yeah. have that person turn out to actually be the villain, but they didn't do it. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's an it's an interesting episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, MacGyver spends most of his time running around and and disarming three of the identical bombs got a little stale. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, he does the same thing every time. Takes the pin hinge out. Uses the hinge to disconnect the motion detector. And instead of just and flip flashing the through it, because we've already seen it happen, that we we watch it happen every the same time. way every time. Yeah. Um, so that, that's like my only real criticism, I guess. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, we got a guy get get exploded and burned to death. We got uh, a cool cast. Yeah, pretty cool cast, and uh, um, you know, some great locations. Yeah. And, so it's it's definitely a good episode, um, but I don't feel it's memorable. I guess is is my problem. It's like just another episode of MacGyver. Yeah. Um, uh, like Mama Lorraine's presence in the beginning was just to show that Mama Lorraine still exists in yeah. this universe. Uh, and it's weird because I think you said she's only in like three or four episodes. Yeah, this is her second of three. So yeah. So like that episode. She'll only be in one more episode, and she was barely in this one. Yeah, I mean the the Walking Dead one, she'll be in a lot. Yeah. But this episode was just kind of like, oh, yeah, remember that he's got a wacky neighbor who's a voodoo lady? Here it is. Yep, here um, she is. I, she added nothing to the episode. It could have yeah. been Pete that brought him that stuff. It, it would have made just as much sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a, you know, I don't really have much to say about it other than that. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it for this one. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us on the, the Prometheus Syndrome, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash phoenixfoundationpodcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast 
iTunes.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 7, Episode 5, The Coltons. Yep, the pilot that never was. Yeah, it's supposed to be part of last season. We're go- going back up to Vancouver for one episode. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then we'll be back in L.A. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.